Take your Bibles and go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'm just going to read a couple verses for you. And verse 8, it says, it's a very well-known verse. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Right here we see a kind of a warning just telling us, you know, be sober, be vigilant. We have an adversary. Unfortunately, many people, they forget that there's a devil. People like to talk about God and about Jesus, but we forget to talk about the devil sometimes. We have somebody that's working against us and we forget how powerful the devil is. And we need to realize that none of us in here today by ourselves are any match for the devil. I mean, the devil, he could, by ourselves, we're nothing compared to him. Thank the Lord, though, we have God, and if we're close to him, we're going to be okay. But the truth is, the devil, he is, he's walking about. He's looking around. He's seeking whom he may devour. He does devour people sometimes. He does take people and he ruins their life. And I believe, you know, when a person is saved, they're saved forever. But I do believe the devil can still destroy your testimony. I believe he can destroy your life. If you're a saved person here today, don't think that you can just go sin and do whatever you want and there not be some consequences here on this earth. The devil could definitely ruin your life. He's waiting for an opportunity. He's looking. And we've got to understand that we need to be careful. And we're seeing people fall all the time. We're seeing good Christian people end up falling into sin, getting out of church, becoming ineffective for God. And you, and many times when you see this, you're just like, a lot of times you can see it coming. You can see, have you ever watched those nature shows and you see them out in the jungle and there's those lions that the cameraman spotted, but maybe the gazelle or whatever, it hasn't spotted it. And they are, they're just watching and they're waiting. And you see that animal as it kind of leaves the herd and as it becomes vulnerable and you all know what's going to happen to it. You know that thing is about to die. You know it's in big trouble, but it has no clue. And many times we see the same thing in Christians' lives. They'll start wandering from God and it's like, you know, it's just a matter of time and the devil is going to pounce on them. But these people, they go along their merry way like nothing's wrong. They go on their merry way thinking everything's great and wonderful. And then by the time they figure out something's wrong, it's too late. Devil pounces on them, devours them. And so we need to remember that we have an adversary. We have an enemy. We need to remember that our adversary, he's looking for people to devour. He wants to devour you. And we need to understand that our enemy is successful in devouring people all the time. I don't care how good of a Christian you think you are. Better people than you have fallen prey to the devil. And so we've got to always be ready. That word sober that it says, the title of the message is be sober, be vigilant. Sober means regular, calm, not under the influence of passion as sober judgment, a man in his sober senses. We've got to make sure that we, uh, you know, th that we do have a calmness. We're ready. Many times when we get in trouble, when the devil has an opportunity to devour us, it's when we get overcome with passion. When you lose your temper, many people, they get out of church sometimes because they get angry. Something happens and it makes them mad. And when you're mad, when you're angry, you're probably going to make a bad decision. You're probably going to do something foolish. And so you've got to be sober. You cannot allow yourself to be overcome with passion. You're in a dangerous place. 
You need to be vigilant, meaning watchful, circumspect, attentive to discover and avoid danger or to provide for safety. You should always be watching. I don't, you might think you're safe right now, but understand that the devil, he is watching for an opportunity to get you. If you are a part of this church, if you are saved, you do, you still matter to the devil. Okay, he might have lost your soul, but if you're a, if you're a child of God, you now have a responsibility and, and the ability to take the gospel to other people. You have the ability to shine as a light and cause other people to end up getting saved, and the devil can't have that. So you, I think a saved person is more likely to get grief from the devil than a lost person. I mean, why does he even need to mess with a lot of the lost people out there? There already is. He's going to go after us. When you get saved, you're going to get some special attention from the devil. And I, I wish there was a way around that, but there isn't. So you've got to be sober. You have to be vigilant. And then... So we need to learn. One thing we need to do is learn from the mistakes of those who are devoured. Because okay? we've all seen it. You, every one of us in here, if you've been in church very long, you know of people who at one time were strong Christians. At one time they were doing great things for God, but something changed. Something happened. Now they are no longer effective servants of God. Now they're no longer doing anything for God. And so learn from those mistakes. It's okay to do that. We're, we're taught so much, you know, not to judge, you know, that sometimes we do need to, we do need to judge. I'm not talking about pronouncing judgment. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the kind of judging we're not supposed to do is when somebody does wrong and we're like, oh, God should kill them. No, you don't have any right to pronounce that kind of judgment on somebody. But we should watch. We should learn. And... There's many examples. I, I, we'll look at a couple of them. But one of the things that gets Christians in trouble sometimes is people that they love and respect fall. Many times when a good Christian falls into sin, it causes other Christians to get discouraged and fall too. And that's not what should happen. We should learn from their fall. I think about David who watched the fall of Saul. I preached the message on Sunday night a couple weeks ago. How are the mighty fallen? Remember when Saul and Jonathan died in that battle and David, he gets the news that this king that he loved, a king that he respected, he had fallen in battle. He had died. And what's sad about that story and yet amazing at the same time about David you know, David had so much respect for Saul. He looked up to him in such a great way. Saul was God's anointed. God had chosen Saul to be king of Israel. And David loved Saul, even though Saul did one bad thing after another to David. Saul rebelled against God. Saul did not have a good relationship with God. And as a result of that, as a result of Saul's sin, he ended up falling in battle. He did not have God's protection anymore. And David saw that. And while David was sad at seeing that fall, I believe David learned from what tripped Saul up. We see in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost didn't operate the same way he does today. For example, when you get saved, you're indwelt by the Holy Ghost and he's not going anywhere. But back in the Old Testament, before Christ died on the cross, before God gave that first fruits of the Holy Spirit, Many times the Holy Spirit, He would come on people and at different times, like Samson. He, would, he came on Samson and Samson, He would do these great feats of strength. And Saul, the Holy Spirit, 
He came on Saul, we see in the Bible, but as a result of Saul's rebellion, the Holy Spirit departed from Saul. And that's when, and Saul started getting in all kinds of trouble. And David, where I believe David learned from Saul, David made some pretty bad mistakes too, didn't he? But the difference between David and Saul, Saul would make excuses for his sin and he would not acknowledge it. He would not confess it. He just got stubborn and rebellious. When David sinned and he got confronted by the prophet, he admitted it. Read Psalms chapter 51. He's, he's praying, have mercy upon me, O God. And he makes a statement in there. He says, take not thine Holy Spirit from me. You know what he was saying? Lord, I've messed up, but please don't do to me what you did to Saul. David understood why Saul fell. David saw how Satan was able to devour Saul. And David protected himself from that very thing. And even though he messed up, David got things right. Even after he, he learned from Saul, Saul's fault. I think about men like Joab. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with Joab. I think he's an interesting character. He was one of David's mighty men. one of the closest servants of David. And Joab, if you read through the Bible and you're reading the stories of David, Joab was always faithful. He was always loyal to David, even when David was doing wrong. It was Joab that David told to basically send Uriah out and get him killed. Joab, think about that. Joab, who he loved David, knew David was doing the wrong thing. Joab still, you know, he did what he was supposed to do even when David was doing the wrong thing. He didn't let that bad example trip him up. Joab, he confronted David when David told him to number the people. Joab's like, you can't do this. That got David in huge trouble numbering the people. Joab tried to stop him, but David was the king and Joab ended up doing it. You know, we never have an excuse to do the wrong thing just because somebody else did the wrong thing. Many people end up falling into sin and they end up being devoured by Satan and they will use other people as an excuse. Well, you know, my parents did this or you know, my preacher did this or my friend did this. Somebody else in the church did this and that's why I sinned. You don't ever have to sin just because somebody else sinned. You know what you can do when people sin, when people fail, you can learn from that. Why did they fall? Why did they fail? What happened? Because the devil's going to try to get you to do that too. And you've got to keep that from happening. We see Abigail, another example in the Bible, a very godly woman who had an evil, wicked husband. Her husband was a very wicked man. And in 1 Samuel chapter 25, you can read the story of Abigail. I just want to read one verse to you. But it says, Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding, and of a beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Here you have a woman who is married to a wicked man, and yet she kept doing the right thing. She did not allow, she did not make an excuse that, you know what, I've got a wicked husband, there's nothing I can do. She did the right thing. We see if you read that story, David got mad at Nabal and his family. He was going to go kill all of them, and Abigail did the right thing, she ended up saving her wicked husband's life. But you know what? God saw all that Abigail was doing and basically, to make a long story short, God ended up killing Nabal. And then she ended up marrying David, ended up getting a good husband. 
You know, it, we never we can we should never use people as an excuse to sin. We should not use the failures of others. We should learn from those failures. Many people they do they'll you know that have gotten out of church. I've talked to them before, and they'll use all of these excuses. Well, I saw this person fall. I saw that person fall. Okay, you saw all those people basically devoured by Satan. So instead of you letting Satan devour you two, why don't you learn from their mistakes? Why don't you make sure that doesn't happen? We're, we're real. You know, I understand people have some responsibility. Okay? But you do understand we have an adversary. You know, it, if, if you like watching sports, alright? You know, I like watching sports and I, I'll watch basketball games. And, you know, sometimes as, you know, a parent may be watching a game, you know your kid, if they're playing basketball, they're supposed to go and they're supposed to put the basketball through the hoop on the other end, right? Doesn't that sound pretty simple? But why is it not simple? Because they have an adversary. They've got people who are trying to stop them from doing that. There's people that are working against them. And it's real easy for us to get mad at people when they fall. But you understand they have an adversary. You know, people, why can't people just be faithful? Why can't they just live for God? Why can't they just do the right thing? Why can't they just be obedient to the Scriptures? Well, I'm not making excuses for them, but they do have an adversary. There's somebody working against them. So, why don't we try to help them out? Okay, I always hate it in basketball when you see one guy dribbling with the ball and he's got three guys on him, and then all the other guys on the team are just kind of standing there looking at him. Like, what are you going to do? Like, why don't you get in there and help them? You know, why don't you block these guys? Why don't you get open so you can pass the ball to you? Do something to help them. And instead of us getting all down on people who are maybe about to be devoured, why don't we help them out? Why don't we try, why don't we try to warn them? We have an adversary. And uh, Joshua, another great example. Joshua was one who saw Moses make some mistakes. Joshua was there when Moses you know, broke those Ten Commandments. Joshua was there when Moses smote the rock. Joshua saw all those things. Joshua saw Moses make some big mistakes. But you know what else Joshua saw? Joshua saw Moses, if you remember the story, when they were fighting the battle and Moses held up his hands. And as long as his hands were up, Israel prevailed. Joshua saw that. And if you read the Bible later, in the life of Joshua, you never see him losing his temper like Moses did. But you know what? There is the one story where he was holding up his spear during a battle and Israel won while he was holding that spear. You know what Joshua did? Joshua learned from the good things from Moses and he threw out the bad things. Why can't we do that? Why can't, you know, Joshua, he did, he, he did, the, he did the right thing. And there are many examples we can look at in the Bible of people like that. All of you in here, you probably have people in your life that you did. You know, you you learn some good things from them. Sometimes we learn some bad things. You just got to learn to take the good, throw out the bad. Nobody's perfect. No preacher's perfect. No church is perfect. And so we can't ever use that as an excuse. So many people they do. They they want to they want to talk about everybody else. I mean, I, I've heard it before. I've heard people just tell the stories. Well, they will just talk about how horrible. Everybody was in their church. They'll talk about the failures of other people, but it's like, you know, why don't you learn from those things? We do have an adversary. Seeing people devoured, it shouldn't cause us to quit. It should cause us to be sober and vigilant. 
I mean, wouldn't you think that, you know, seeing somebody, you know, for example, when you see those nature shows, you know, what happens when one of those animals gets attacked? All the other ones run away, don't they? All the other ones get a little more cautious, don't they? Well, that's what we ought to do. When we see somebody fall, it ought to cause us to get real alert. It's like, you know what? That could be, that could be me. That could have been me. And so, and, you know, we need to realize the devil wants to get us too. It could happen to us. One of the biggest mistakes that Christians make is they think it's, it couldn't happen to me. Yes, it could happen to you. It could be you. You could be the next one to fall. When you read the police reports and you hear, or you're reading the newspaper, some terrible story that happens, that could be you. You could do that. There is no telling what we are capable of doing if we get backslidden on God. If Satan devours us, if Satan gets a hold of us, we've got to be careful. Seeing casualties should cause us to draw closer to the shepherd. Psalm 23, verse 4. What did he say in there? He says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We were talking about that the other night. The rod and the staff of the shepherd, it's a comfort to the sheep because those sheep know that shepherd knows how to use that rod and staff against the enemies. Whenever I see somebody fall, whenever I hear stories of preachers that I look up to, when I hear about them falling, you know what? It scares me. Because like that could be me. If it happened to them, it could definitely happen to me. And you know what it makes me do? It makes me want to get a little closer to the shepherd. It makes me want to pray a little bit more. It makes me to want to study my Bible a little bit more. It makes me want to be... A little more godly, whenever I see people fall, I want to get a little bit closer to the shepherd because I don't want that to happen to me. I know that my Lord, He's able to, to defeat the devil. I know that the devil is no match for Jesus Christ. I know there is no comparison at all whatsoever. And so as long as I so when I see him devouring other people, I do. It it causes me to want to get closer to the shepherd. And you need to do that. And I tell you, all these people that are out there using fallen Christians as an excuse to get out of church, to get out of the will of God, they don't understand all they're doing is making themselves a casualty themselves. Satan is devouring them and they don't even know it. And we can't have that. We need Christian people today. We need them involved. We need them being effective. We need godly people. We've got to have... Godly examples. We can't have any more people just falling out and laying out of things. It's sad. Just you know, Sunday, for example. You know, there was a time when there wasn't much else to do on Sunday but go to church because everything was closed. Everything was closed. You know why? Because nobody was going to go to those businesses because they were all in church. But now people started falling out. They started laying out of church, and then all of a sudden, businesses started opening back up. Well, if these businesses are going to be open, they've got to have employees. And so now, people are being required to work on Sunday. People you know, who probably would have been in church are getting pulled out of church because everybody's gotten caught up into everything else. And look at where we are today. You know, The town's always buzzing. It's always humming on Sundays. It's, it's one of the busier shopping days many times. I think that's a shame. I think that's a shame that we've let that we've let that happen. That it's gone this far. There's place, there's still places like this in in this country that you know gas stations that wouldn't sell alcohol. 
on Sunday. You know, bars would close on Sunday. You know, it, and, but now, no, it's no different. It's like every other day of the week. In fact, it might even be a little worse. What happened? People started falling out. And it did. It's, it's, got, it's gotten out of control. And I believe we ought to be more faithful. As we see things getting worse, we've got to, we've got to set more of an example. And I, it's, it's, it's getting out of control. We're losing ground big time. And so those, seeing these casualties, seeing the way the world's getting, it shouldn't cause us to have, a, if you can't beat them, join a mentality. It ought to scare us. I don't want to get devoured. I don't want to do that. I'd like to think if I'm an animal and I'm seeing another one of my species getting eaten by a lion, that I'm going to have enough brains to run away and not go over there and be like, can I be next? And that's how people are when, they fall, when, they're, when they're just giving up because of casualties. We can't do that. We need you all surviving this thing. We need everybody involved. And so who is it that Satan can devour? Because the Bible says he's seeking whom he may devour. I believe Satan wants to devour everyone. I, I don't believe there's any exceptions. I don't believe there's one person in here that Satan doesn't want. Any of you who get out of church and end up being devoured by Satan spiritually, it will be discouraging for me. It will be discouraging for other people in this church. It will ruin you. And the devil would love to do it. And so, since you know he's out there, since you know there's someone out there waiting for you, you know there's someone who wants to get you, you got to ask yourself, okay, you know, am I a candidate? Am I somebody that he can devour? If you, uh, you don't have to turn over there, but in Luke chapter 22... Verse 31 says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. You all see that, right? Jesus told Peter, he's like, Satan wants you. He wants to sift you as wheat. He says, and Jesus said, I've, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you that he's not going to have you. But Peter, he's like, Lord, I'm good. Lord, I'm will. I am ready to die for you. You all see Peter, boy, he's so willing. And I don't believe Peter was lying when Peter said that. I believe he was completely sincere. But you know what? Jesus, he was able to see some things in Peter that Peter couldn't see. And the truth is, Peter was vulnerable. Peter wasn't as strong as he thought he was. Peter didn't have the faith that he thought he had. And whenever it all started going down, when things got bad, when they finally came and arrested Jesus, in Mark chapter 14, verse 54, it says, Peter followed him afar off. He kind of kept his promise, didn't he? He went with Jesus but he kept his distance. You know why? Well, if he'd have stayed too close, he's going to end up getting bound like Jesus too. And we, you all know the story. He went there and while Jesus is on trial, he's kind of off in the distance. He's warming himself at the fire, trying to blend in. But people were recognizing him. Wait a minute. You're, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? No, I'm not. Three time, And three times, just like Jesus said, he denied Jesus, he denied that he knew Christ. He did not do what he expected to do. Nobody in here plans on 
get, giving up on God, getting out of church, becoming unfruitful as a Christian. Nobody plans on that. But you understand that Satan wants you. And when you start straying away from God, like Peter did, you are now vulnerable. He's seeking whom he made of our. The lion always goes for that one that's off by themselves. He doesn't go into the middle of the pack. He goes for the one that's kind of going astray. He goes after the, after the sheep that is going astray. And when you start doing that, when you start distancing yourself from God, when you start distancing yourself from the people of God, okay, from the house of God, you start drifting, you're, open, you're, you're vulnerable now. You are in a dangerous place. And I believe one of the people that Satan made of our are those who are straying from the Lord. We, and we see, we see here in the story, though, Jesus, He prayed for Peter. We need to pray for people who are straying. When you see people that are struggling as a Christian, that is not the time to pounce on them and pick on them and be mean and point out all their faults and their failures. That's a good time to pray for them. And that's what, that's what Jesus did for Peter. And maybe that prayer that Jesus said for Peter, maybe that was the thing that kept him from being completely devoured. Peter did fail. But thank God, you know, Peter, he was not ruined. Peter ended up going on and doing great things for God. And, may, and I believe it was thanks to that prayer of Jesus Christ. And you know what? People are going to fail. But you know what? Maybe our prayers will be the thing that keeps them from being totally devoured. And they can be restored and do great things for God. But 1 Corinthians chapter 5, turn over there. Another thing, I believe, this is someone that Satan made of our. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1. It says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily is absent in body, but present in spirit have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Right here, Paul is rebuking the church because they had a man in the church who had married his father's wife. He had That was a big no-no throughout the Bible. Anybody who your father had married, even if it's just your stepmother, you were never to marry that person. You didn't, that, was, that was an abomination to do something like that. The Gentiles didn't even practice that kind of thing. And here they have a man I mean, just who has committed this horrible sin in the church and Paul is rebuking them saying, you ought to be mourning over this. Y'all are getting all puffed up. You're all acting all superior. Oh, well, we can't judge. We can't, you know, we're all sinners too. We're, you know, we can't, may act like his sin is worse than our sin. No, that was a horrible sin that was going on. And they got all puffed up like people do today. And Paul said, you ought to be mourning. He said, you should, when you come together in the name of the Lord Jesus, you need to remove him from the church. You need to deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So I believe those, those who get in deep sin... Bible says they're supposed to be removed from the church. There are some things that are not to be once named among you as become a saint. Listen, 
We allow anybody to come and attend our services. We want, we want the lost here. We want people who are living in sin to come here. We want them to hear the Gospel. But you know what? We're, we're not going to make them a member of our assembly. They're living in fornication, living in adultery. That Bible says you cannot do that. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You say, well, that's legalistic. Yeah, that, well, that's, what, that's just being biblical. The Bible says to do that. And we're, we're going to do that. And if they're not willing to get it right, the Bible says you deliver them over to Satan. Let Satan have them. Now, do we want Satan to have these people? Absolutely not. But do you understand? If they start bringing that kind of sin into the church, they are going to end up getting other people hurt too. It's not just going to be them that gets hurt. Other people are going to be hurt too. And you know what? The great thing about the story, if you read 2 Corinthians, turns out they did what Paul said. And that man got right. And he was restored to the church. We never, you never kick somebody out just because, you know, out of hate. You always do it with the hope that they're going to get right and you can restore them. And we always ought to be, we should always be ready to restore people to the faith. And sadly, that's not many times people hold grudges and don't ever want to see them again. But listen, you get deep into sin, there's some things out there, if you start messing with it, you are open prey. The devil's probably going to get you. He's going to devour you. He's watching what you do. I understand we are saved. We have we are not going to hell. You could not go to hell if you wanted to go to hell. But do you understand Satan could devour you if you get involved in sin. And you better watch yourselves. He is seeking whom he may devour. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. When you sin, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And the devil, he is, he's watching. He can't get at you unless the Lord allows him, and the Lord will allow if you're not careful. Look at what it says in Job. Look, turn over to Job, chapter one. I think this is this is an exciting verse, but at the same time, it's a little scary too. I think. Look at Job chapter one. What it says: Joseph was a great man. He was a very good man. I was talking perfect, upright, one that feared God, eschewed evil. And look what it says in Job 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased, and the land but put forth now thy hand, now touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Satan tells God, he says, I can't get it, Job. He says, you put a hedge around him. He said, I can't get to him. Well, I like That excites me because I see how limited Satan's power is. He could not get at Job without God's permission. And yes, in this story, God did give Satan permission, but it was because God knew Job could handle it. And while this was a horrible thing what Job went through, 
God used it in a great and wonderful way that's been a blessing to millions of people over the years. And I believe Job, looking, you know, if you could talk to him today, I think he's okay with it. But understand, Satan cannot get at you unless God gives him permission. And we see in the Bible too, where if we start getting in sin, God can give him permission. He can't get our soul, but He can get our body. And God did even allow Satan to touch Job's body and he got covered with boils. Satan's cruel. I mean, when Satan got access to Job's possessions, what did he take? Everything. When he got was able to touch Job's body, what did he do? He did one of the most horrible, painful things that you can do to somebody. He covered his body in boils. I've had two boils in my life and they were horrible. I can't imagine my body being covered with them. Satan is cruel. He will do whatever he can possibly do. And so, when it, with me, I just want to stay close to God. Lord, don't let me out of the hedge. And if we get in sin, we're breaking through that. And that's not God's fault when we do that. But the, Job, he, stay, he stayed faithful. He didn't doubt God when things got difficult. Those... And then finally, go back to 1 Peter chapter 5 where we started. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. If you'll turn over there. It says, notice what he says in verse 9. We, all, we read, be sober, be vigilant. And then verse 9 it says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Y'all see that? Resist. You know who the devil can get? Who he's going to devour? Those who are not fighting him. You know, I can defeat anybody in a fight that won't fight back. The toughest guy in the world, I could beat him up if he won't fight back. And you know what? Many people today, they're kind of like that. It's like they, they, just, they don't want to fight. They don't want to get in the fight. They're always on the defense. If you're only going to defend yourself, eventually, you know, I'm going to be able to break through. Eventually, I'm going to get at you. Sometimes you've got to go on the offense. Sometimes you got to fight back. It can't be all about defense. And Satan, he wants to get us. And you know what? If we just if if we're just on defense all the time, eventually he will break through and get us. We have to go on the offense. The Bible says, "Whom resist? We're going to work against him." You know what I want to do so I don't get devoured by Satan? I want to fight against him. I want to win people to Christ. I want, I want to stay faithful. I want to obey the commands of God. I want to be a good example. I want to shine as a light. I want to give the devil fits. I want to make it hard for him. I want to win more people to Christ. I want to get other people to stop sinning. I want to get other people doing the right things. I want to improve things in the world because when I do that, when I get in the fight, I'm protecting myself. And Satan, he gets people all the time. Many Christian people, they don't want to get in the fight. Oh, you know, preach, you know, don't preach on that stuff. That's too controversial. Let, let's not get involved in this fight. No, I don't want to get devoured by it, so I'm going to fight it. There's a lot of wickedness that's being promoted in this country, that's being promoted by our government. And maybe we're not seeing it here in this church yet, but you know what? I'm not going to wait until it's knocking on our door before I, before I start fighting it. I'm going to fight it ahead of time. I want to call these things out. I want to preach against it. I want to raise my voice against the wickedness that's going on in this world because the devil is destroying people with this stuff. And so I'm going to fight it. We see how the devil is using homosexuality to just destroy this country and to pervert people and to destroy people's lives. 
And you say, well, we don't have any of it here in the church. So why do you need to talk about it? Why do you need to fight it? Because the devil's using that. If we just go on defense, eventually it'll enter our doors. And I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to fight back before it gets a stronghold in here. Before it gets a stronghold in my family, we've got to fight against these things. Satan, he's been way too successful in getting people to fall. We have no excuse. Satan has used the same tricks for thousands of years and we should not be ignorant of his devices. And many just don't want to do anything, but that's only going to guarantee defeat. And so, what we need to do, we need to learn be an overcomer Be sober, be vigilant. So with that, let's all stand together.